Uh, well, before we uh, get too far uh, on today's sermon, a couple of quick little things. First, I claim the power of the pulpit for half a moment and just invite all of you to wish um, Carl a happy birthday today. Uh, some of you will know this uh, feeling already. There's, these days they become celebratory and then kind of they remind you of something else too. And so, um, double nickels. Double nickels. So, that's a, that's a big one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, come on. All right, so while it's no longer spring in Carl's life, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> sorry, couldn't help it. Uh, it is spring around town and in my front yard, Hope and I, my oldest daughter, uh, and I were admiring. We have these uh, couple little aspen trees kind of uh, in the corner of our driveway. And uh, we noticed they're starting to sort of show those little fuzzies on them that indicate new life. And we are so excited that this time of year has, has come. And as Carl said, there might be still more snow. Our first year here was the snowiest April ever. We got four feet of snow a foot every Wednesday our first year here in 2012-2013. And we're like, wow, we definitely are not in the Bay Area anymore. So, <clears throat> could come. But what we're eager for is to see those tiny little fuzzy buds become uh, leaves. Especially as the summer hits, they'll become leaves of shade. And we love to spend some time in our front yard, and it's helpful when uh, there's shade in the summer. And it turns out today's text is a little bit about that. It's a little bit about these tiny little things that actually have the possibility of providing a lot of shade in God's kingdom uh, later on. So why don't we spend a few moments of prayer together and then uh, read through and think through these uh, parables that I think in many ways are very well known and loved by us. So let's pray. Lord, would you protect us and me from thinking this is a moment for a man on a stage to just entertain us? Instead, Lord, would you prepare our hearts and our minds and our wills to receive what is good and pure and holy from your word this morning? We so desire for even this moment to both be one that we can learn and grow from, but also one where our hearts are turned to worship. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be truly pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so we continue to sort of work our way through the Gospel of Matthew, chapter uh, 13. And chapter 13 is this little unit of teaching in the Gospel of, of Matthew. Matthew has five moments when Jesus sort of stops and works his way through something he wants us to know, and this is the third of those five. And Jesus seems to have been saying something to us over and over and over ago that is, and again, that's probably worth us thinking about and finding a way to wrestle with and embrace. Namely, shockingly, the kingdom of God will probably look like something small. 
Whatever God is doing, even 2,000 years after his resurrection, probably it might sometimes look like failure. Certainly it will be unimpressive. That is often the case for those who are outside the church and even those of us who are sometimes inside the church. Jesus is anticipating that we will in some way at some times be troubled by what seems to be a lack of traction of God's kingdom both within the church and in our hearts and out in the world. And I actually find that strangely encouraging. Because what that actually means then is from the very beginning, God knew that it was going to be like this. God knew that his people were sometimes going to be a little bit discouraged. I take great comfort in the fact, he's like, this is what it's going to be like. I already know. Worry not. So for two weeks ago, as we talked about this theme, we, we, uh, we looked at the parable of the sower, this, um, and some people call it the parable of the soils, where um, God is casting out the Word of God, sowing the gospel far and wide, and it looks like actually it's more failure than success. Not all of the seed lands on receptive hearts. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's plucked up before it can even grow. Sometimes it's scorched, grows up fast. Sometimes it's choked out by the worries and wealth of this world. Only a quarter of it thrives. The question seems to be asked, are, are we ready to be hospitable to the soil? As the Lord has lovingly sort of cast out the word of God in our hearts and minds, are we ready to be receptive to what God is saying and teaching and prompting in us? Last week, that parable in a certain way gets an extension, and we look at what happens at the, at the field where the seeds have been carefully sown. And what we find out is even in God's field, even right there amongst the, the, um, the wheat that's growing healthy, there are going to be noxious weeds. They are going to sprout up. And what we talked about is the kingdom of God, well, it's going to actually be facing opposition, both from outside and sometimes even from within. And Jesus says, in the midst of that opposition, in the midst of facing that evil, let's not pull out the weeds. Let's not pull them out in case we actually end up then doing harm to some of the wheat. So two weeks ago, it seems that Jesus was making a sort of a theological point. The Lord is lovingly, willingly casting out seed, even ways it might look wasteful, and not all of it lands on hospitable, receptive soil. And then last week, it seemed he sort of was making an ethical point. As we find ourselves in the fields of the Lord, let's, let's act with grace and not violence when we discover we've been invaded. Let's overseed with the gospel rather than responding with violence and counterattack. And today we learn something of um, God's sort of preferred missional mindset. This is how he wants us to think about the kingdom of God and our place in it. What are we supposed to be about? So let's turn there, shall we, to Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 31. 
And he told them another parable. Here it is. You might know this parable, actually. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Next one. There we go. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Do these parables surprise us anymore? How many of you, whether you um, are a regular Bible reader or not, are familiar with the idea of mustard seeds and yeast? Raise your hand if you're familiar with that. Yeah. If you've been following along in our Bible reading plan, which you actually, we actually saw Luke's capturing of this, of this parable earlier this week. And maybe it's possible you were like me. I, I read that parable while I was planning my day in my mind. Do you sometimes do that? Yeah, there's like this nervous chuckle. I know. Sometimes we feel so sort of familiar with these things that we, we no longer actually allow them to surprise us. It's like, oh yeah, I know this one. All, my eyes will glance over the page and I'll think about that thing I'm supposed to do in a couple of hours. But when these parables were first told, they were, um, they were meant to surprise, agitate the human heart. There was supposed to be something vital about what it is that they were showing us. The original hearers would have been struggled, bothered, troubled, surprised by reading them. As the gospel actually says, right, right after this little section, God's actually doing something. Jesus is actually doing something, and maybe you've missed it. Go ahead, and this is what happens right after that, and there's verse 34 and 35. Luke says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, when I read that, I felt instantly convicted that I'd let, just let my eyes just sort of skim over something that was hidden treasure from the creation of the world. As I read that parable, friends, and as you read it just now, did you realize God is showing me something that's been true from the beginning of time? God is wanting to show me and surprise me and show something about who He is and how He works and who we are in a way that has never been quite revealed in that way before. I know that I did not. So, since I feel so familiar about these things, and I think many of us do, what is it that's so surprising about them? Can we, what can we maybe recapture in some way? And some of these things might not even be surprising to you, but um, just to sort of keep you sort of like in on the game for a little bit, I have this one little piece of advice when we talk about the mustard seed. The first thing we're going to do is talk about the meaning of the mustard seed. And, and as we do that, I'm going to give you this one piece of advice. Don't be like the English. Don't be like the English, with apologies to Daniel Susanbach's wife, who is English. Now, I'm going to get there. Just wait. Okay? 
So let me just say a couple obvious things, actually, about this parable. Uh, It is true, actually, that a mustard seed is really, really small. Tiny, in fact. And there's part of what it is that God seems for us to want to know as Jesus shares his parable, that that the the beginning of what the kingdom of God is doing is, is actually going to be maybe infinitesimally small. We're not actually maybe going to be able to discern that it actually is the kingdom of God. We might pass right over it and not even know it. But then it actually does get sown. It does get sort of planted into the ground. There's, there's some care, and it's, it's put in a place where it might have the opportunity to thrive and grow. And as it turns out, actually, the, um, a mustard seed can actually grow into something quite large. Now, that's, that's sort of a wild one, kind of, you know, not, not tended to or cared for or any of those things in a garden, but it's, it's pretty big. And it's going to take time for that little seed to become that. And again, part of what God seems to be saying to us is this kingdom of God is not going to be instant gratification. Sometimes we think our generation is the ones who kind of like invented instant gratification, right? Do you remember at the end of dial-up when you saw dial-up and your friends had DSL? Do you remember that? We want things to happen right now, but turns out the first century hearers of this, they wanted God's kingdom to come in an instant, instant conquering and victory. God says, actually, it's going to be smaller and longer than that. And if you're going to be part of God's kingdom, we need to refuse to be hurried. We can't be in a rush. This is going to take quite a while. Something's going to unfold. Okay. I think we understand that. Those images help us understand that. But, but why? And it, it turns out, in a way that we don't normally talk about, we talk about the small to big. We don't talk about the why. And this one kind of caught me up short as I read more closely. This whole thing is happening so that the birds come and perch in its branches. What? Probably your eyes have skipped right over that for a long time. God cares about birds. What? How many bird watchers in the room? Raise them high, raise them high. Yeah. Okay, you're in good company. Jesus too, apparently. Birds are going to come. What's that about? Well, there's some debate, actually, amongst Bible scholars. If this is just an interesting detail that sort of like, helps to flesh it out, or if, God, if Jesus is making a, an actual theological point. And I happen to think Jesus might, just might be making a deeper theological point about the kingdom of God. Ezekiel was um, a prophet that was sort of read in the same way that uh, Revelation is read by a lot of Christians, looking for clues and hints. And then there, there's two sections where he, uh, Ezekiel sort of uses the imagery of birds. And here's one of them in Ezekiel 16, pardon me, 17. On the mountain heights of Israel, he says, I will plant it. He's t- he lopped off this branch from another nation. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. And what's going to happen? Birds of every kind will nest in it. 
They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. And if this was a study on Ezekiel, I'd expand that out more for you to see how I think this is more than just about birds, but it really comes home in Ezekiel 31. It's talking about Egypt. All the birds of the sky rested in Egypt's boughs. It's no longer talking about a zoo. All the animals of the wild give birth under its branches. All the great nations lived in its shade. You see, with that parallelism, what what Ezekiel now seems to be pointing to is that all the people of the nations, the birds, the animals, the things that we think of as, as maybe not quite like us if you're Israel, God's going to build something where there's going to be shade for them. There's actually going to be a place for them to rest. All the nations are going to be included in this. So it turns out, I think, this mustard seed is going to be planted and it's going to grow so that birds can have shade. And it turns out those birds are all the Gentile nations. It turns out that what God is promising from the very beginning, before he even has died and risen, on, risen from the grave, is that he has something in mind for all God's people. The kingdom's going to start small, and it's going to grow. And it turns out this this kingdom of God is supposed to provide shade and and nourishment and rest for those who are not part of God's kingdom. That seems to be what Jesus is at least hinting at here. I was uh, intrigued to find out, actually, that um, birds in Palestine are really drawn to the taste of the mustard seed. Think about that for a while, church. Those who are not part of the kingdom of God are strangely drawn to its taste. That's why we have sought to make sure that we are we're eager to surprise Boulder with the gospel. Because we actually think that's part of how we can actually invite all to come and hear and experience and rest under the shade of God's kingdom that we're seeking to live out, albeit imperfectly. The reason why we want to do that is because of parables like this, which all leads me to this reminder to don't be, not be like the English. I read this story in the BBC earlier this week just kind of trolling through, you know, news uh, headlines as um, I want to do. And I found this story of um, how in England people are starting to do this to their trees and their hedgerows. Putting nets over their trees and their hedgerows. Why? To keep the birds out. They want to actually, so, you know, these particular things are, are uh, been slated for some development, and they want to keep the birds out so they can just cut the trees down. Well, friends, don't be like the English. <laughs> we actually want the birds of the nations to come and find rest, nourishment, provision right here in the kingdom of God. And what Jesus seems to be saying to me as I've been reading and studying throughout this week is is actually that's what the kingdom of God is for. 
The kingdom of God, those who've accepted it, who seek to know and follow and walk in Jesus Christ, you are now in part for the rest, provision, and nourishment of those who are not yet part of the kingdom of God. That's what you're for. Certainly, we can and have been seeking to do this as a church, but it turns out there's, there's also a possibility that you can do it personally. You can do it. You can take a survey of the, the birds, quote-unquote birds, that are all around you and sort of just say, how can I help them feel at home with me? What can I do in a godly way that will help the birds in my life find shelter and rest and nourishment as they have company with me. Don't be English. Be a mustard seed. So then what about the leaven? What about the yeast? What might be we missing? And I've, uh, I've used this phrase before, but I think it's really helpful um, because both uh, this parable seems to point to it in a certain way, and Jesus came to reverse the curse. I think in part what this next parable is about is invitation to reverse the curse. See, for almost all of the hearers of, um, of Jesus' day, leaven, yeast, was actually a, a symbol that was a symbol of evil. It was like uh, the patriots of today. Anytime you heard the word yeast or leaven, you knew actually that what we're talking about was like, there was, it was code, it was a symbol to understand how evil can work its way into a personal life and a corporate life. Hence, that's why Jesus says in, uh, in Mark, and actually says it in Matthew, but he says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples first heard it, they thought they just meant, you know, it's, it's gone bad, don't buy bread from them. Missing the point. Paul, uh, a little later after Jesus' uh, ascension into, into heaven, reminds us that a, a little leaven, just a little bit, can infect the whole lump. The imagery here is, is often one of, of negativity. And Jesus seems to be saying, no, I'm going to reverse the curse even on what you think of in your imagery. Jesus uses this imagery that's almost always negative and actually says, I'm going to use it as a way for us to understand what the kingdom of God's going to do. It's going to penetrate the dough of the world and transform it. This is what the kingdom of God is going to do. It's going to, it's going to take even that which you think of as, as evil and under God's glory and sovereignty, it's going to turn to actually transform into something that is nourishing penetrate the dough. It turns out that God's kingdom in a certain way is, a, is a, an invasion of all of our manufactured kingdoms. God's going to take this tiny little bit of stuff and all the other things that we've added that are the ingredients that we think of as life, and he's going to transform them with this introduction of his kingdom. He's going to reverse the curse on what it is that we have built in our own lives, and uh, in our systems of government, and in the way our organizations run, and 
Um, you know, the way there seem to be potholes everywhere. Somehow, by God's grace, in time, he will reverse the curse, not just in the human hearts, but over all of creation. But did you notice? It's going to take some time. Did you notice that this woman is kneading a ridiculous amount of dough? 60 pounds! What should we learn from that simple, small number? That simple, small, little detail. First, it's going to be work. What actually God seems to be doing is not going to be obvious. It's going to take a long time, and it's going to maybe potentially be really difficult. It's going to be like weeds growing up in our garden. And also, it's going to take a long time. Have any of you ever hand-kneaded bread? 60 pounds of it? No, that's weird. God's going to be doing something, but I think more than the, the difficulty of it, the thing that's probably the most important thing to know is when God reverses the curse, it's going to be thorough. It's going to work all the way through. There's not going to be some part that God has not touched or worked on or transformed. He's going to take the whole thing and it's going to work all the way through. That's the point. And it's going to work through all the way. It's going to work all the way through something that to us feels absolutely like a ridiculous number to hand need on our own. Don't be like the English. Reverse the curse. God's kingdom is going to work through all of it. The church is going to do this. And the church is going to do this because you're in it. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Eager to follow and obey. See, what Jesus doesn't say in quite this way, but I think it's what he's saying is, is Jesus' people are going to be a sheltering tree and a nourishing loaf. The people of God, as God continues to work in Christ through us, the people of God are going to be both a, a shading tree, a sheltering tree, and a nourishing loaf to the world. I'm so eager for that. But can I just ask you, as we end today, when you think about the kingdom of God, and you think about the evil that it confronts, and you think about the mustard seed growing into a full tree, when was the last time you thought of yourself as part of the solution? When was the last time you realized and read a parable like this and realized actually God is inviting you to actively, personally participate in this parable? When have you thought that you have a personal responsibility to seek to live and love and follow Jesus Christ in this way? Have you been waiting for us to do it, but not you? Have you been waiting for others to kind of get it figured out, but you've been reluctant to step forward? You get to be part of this kingdom, friends. This story is not just about all of us, 
It's about you. It's about what God wants to do in you and through you. So it's going to be small. We know that. He says it. What can you do this week to offer shelter, nourishment, shade, refuge? What can you do? There are so many stories here, so many gifts, so much pain. I couldn't possibly say we must all do this one thing. This parable invites you to become a sheltering tree and a nourishing loaf. Lord, like this first parable told us in this uh, Matthew chapter 13, would you help us to hear this word and be receptive to it? Would you help us to hear what is true and right and beautiful about what has been revealed to us today and to step in with our actual actions. Lord, you promise us the gift of your Holy Spirit that will fill us, strengthen us, encourage us when we feel like we have no strength, no courage, no vision. Would you help us today know what is the small mustard seed type thing that we can do? And you give us the courage to do it in our families or workplaces or neighborhoods. We thank you in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said,